December, and that means it's Advent time. Do you guys do an Advent at your house? It's like a countdown. Have you ever made a paper chain to count down the days until Christmas? Or maybe you have a bunch of little boxes with candy inside of them and you open one each day. Whatever you do, Advent is waiting for the arrival of a notable person or event. And in this case, we're waiting for Christmas. We're waiting for Jesus Christ's birthday. Whatever you do, Advent is waiting for the arrival of a notable person or event. And in this case, we're waiting for Christmas. We're waiting for Jesus Christ's birthday. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. And the cool thing is that we've made it all the way through the New Testament together this year. We're finally studying the very last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is a vision that the Apostle John had about Jesus Christ and the second coming. Yes, an advent in Greek means a coming or a second coming. So, the book of Revelation is like an advent too. But instead of being excited for Christmas, we get to be excited for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I can't wait to see Jesus again. Me too. When you think about it, it's like we're living in Christmas Eve time of Earth right before Jesus comes. We're so lucky. Before we start with our first game today, we wanted to start our podcast off the same way John starts the book of Revelation off, with a blessing. Here is what John says about the book of Revelation. Blessed are they who read, and they who hear and understand the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. For the time of the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So we'll be blessed for reading and studying the book of Revelation. Okay, let's play a quick game, an Advent game. Since a lot of Advent calendars nowadays have you opening little paper doors, we thought we would play an Advent door opening game. Merry holly jolly season's greetings here. I'm wondering what your family does at that time of year. Love and joy and peace on earth and tidings of good cheer. Do you have tradition things for that time of year? Well, we hang up boughs of evergreen on every single doorway. Bake a giant cookie in the wavy shape of Norway. Go from door to door to door while sailing with our choir. Hang up all your giant socks above an open fire. That sounds safe. No, 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 no. Not that kind of door opening. Love is an open door. Love is an open door. No, no, no. We're getting off track here. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. No more door songs, please. 
The window is open, so's that door. I didn't know they did that anymore. Okay, the writers of Frozen were apparently super obsessed with doors. Sorry about that. Anyway. Yes, back to our Advent game. There are 25 days in most Advent calendars. So we have 25 doors for you to choose from. Isaac is going to go hide behind one of these doors. Can you guess which one it is? Pick a number between 1 and 25, and let's see if the number you chose is the door that I'm hiding behind. Okay, what number do you guys choose? Choose any number between 1 and 25. Got it? Okay, Isaac, go hide. All right, let's knock on each door of this advent calendar and see if we can find which door Isaac is hiding inside of. Ready? Door one. Who is it? Door two. Who is it? Door three. Who is it? Door number four. Yes, yes. Who is it? Here's door number five. Well, come in. Come in! Door number six. Come in. Come in, my child. We mustn't lurk in doorways. It's rude. Door number seven. Keep a knocking, but you can't come in. Door number eight. Who is it? Door number nine. Who is it? Here we are, door number ten. Let's see if he's behind door number eleven. Who, 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 who is it? Door twelve. Oh, who's there? Who is it? Door 13. Hello? Who is it? Door 14. Who is it? Hmm. Well, I was sure I heard someone knocking. Oh, maybe door 15. Who is it? Show yourself. Here we are, door 16. Who is it, man? Door 17. Who is it? Okay, is he behind door 18? Don't come in! What about door number 19? Um, come in. Door 20. You may come in one at a time. Here we are, door 21. Well, come in, child, come in. Door 22. Come in. Oh my goodness, door 23. Who's there? Door 24. Here I am. You win. Okay guys, let's take a second and imagine that Jesus is knocking on the door to your house. What would you do? Well, I would let him in and just talk to him, ask him a bunch of questions that I have and just thank him for all that he's done. If Jesus knocked on my door, I would have to run and hide all the laundry that's sitting out on my dining room table. <laughs> have you guys ever seen a picture of Jesus knocking on a door? Yeah. And was there something unusual about that door? Was it missing something important? Yes, it didn't have a doorknob on it. Yeah, that picture's inspiration actually comes from John's writing in Revelation this week. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne 
even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So to sup means to share a meal together. So back then it was a sign of being really close together and being nourished together. And for those who let Jesus in, Jesus has a feast for everything you hunger for. So the metaphor of Jesus standing at the door and knocking shows that he wants to come in and be close to us. Why does Jesus knock instead of just coming inside? Well, have you ever invited somebody over to your house? And when they arrive, they knock. It's your home. They aren't going to force their way inside, especially if you don't want them there. So you have to open the door and invite people in. It's the same with Jesus. We have to invite him into our lives. We have to make room for him in our hearts. How do we do that? Well, we've got some listener friends with some good ideas. My name is Kylie. I live in Texas, and I am almost eight years old. I can let Jesus into my life by reading the scriptures and following his example by being baptized. My name is Nick. I live in Texas, and I am almost eight years old. I can open the door to Jesus by being nice to my sisters and helping my mom and dad. My name is Mackenzie. I'm I'm five years old, and I live in Texas, and I can let Jesus into my heart by having a soft heart and tinturing my angel. Hi, I'm Jack, and I'm seven years old, and I live in Alaska, and the way I can share my love is being kind to others. That I can open the door to Jesus is being kind to others. Hi, I'm Leah. I'm eight years old. I live in Alaska. The way I open the door to Jesus is reading my scriptures. Hi, my name is John. I'm four years old. The way I let Jesus in my life is reading my scriptures and being kind to one another. Hi, my name is Gracie. I'm seven years old. I I live in Lincoln, Nebraska. One way I can open the door to Jesus is being kind to my classmates. I'm Brigham, and I'm three and a half. I'm from Nebraska. Brigham, what does it mean to let Jesus into your life? Um, do the five keys, and and then he he will open the door. Baptism, temple, church. Letting him in means doing what he wants and praying and giving him a hug. Bye-bye. Those were great ideas. We can open the door to Jesus by serving others, reading the scriptures, keeping the covenants we make at baptism, and partaking of the sacrament. You guys, if we invite the Savior into our lives, our lives will be full of peace and joy. He's ready and waiting. Will you let him in? Yes! Okay, so back to the book of Revelation. When the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, he wrote about the history of the world and how Jesus Christ will carry out God's plan. In this book, we can learn more about the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, John shares a vision about Jesus Christ. If you can, pause the podcast for a second while you get out a piece of paper and something to draw with. We want you to draw what you think John's vision looked like when John describes it to you. 
And if you aren't able to draw right now, that's okay. Just close your eyes and imagine it instead. I, John, on the Lord's day I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash round his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as the dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Did you get all that? It went super fast. Let's go through it one more time. This is what your drawing should look like. John heard a loud voice like a trumpet. The voice said, Write on a scroll what you see. John turned around to see whose voice he heard. He saw seven golden lampstands, and he saw Jesus, the Son of Man. Jesus was wearing a long robe with a gold sash wrapped around his chest. His head and hair were as white as snow, and his eyes were like a fiery flame. Jesus' feet were like strong, polished bronze, and his voice sounded like a roaring waterfall. Jesus had seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp, double-edged sword came from his mouth. Jesus' face was shining like the sun. When John saw Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet. Jesus put his hand on John and commanded him, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. Eyes of fire? A sword coming out of his mouth? That is a pretty crazy vision. Let's find out what all of it means. Sometimes people think that the book of Revelation is way too hard to understand. But Joseph Smith said that the book of Revelation is one of the plainest books that God ever caused to be written. Remember, the Lord withheld a sealed portion of the Book of Mormon from us because it was way beyond our present ability to understand. But with the book of Revelation, and if we apply ourselves with a full purpose of heart, we can totally understand these visions. And hey, if you pay attention, you can share what you learned today with your primary class to help them understand too. Okay, here we go. Yes, the imagery in the book of Revelation is strange, but in Hebrew, a lot of words have multiple meanings. And the Hebrews knew that. So for example, the number seven means complete. So even though a lot of this sounds weird, if you understand the symbolism, it actually makes a lot of sense. So in the vision, the lampstands, which are actually candlesticks, those represent the whole church. Jesus was standing in the center of them. 
Isn't that cool to think Jesus is right in the middle of everything? White means purity, and we all know Jesus is pure. Jesus is wearing the belt of truth, which we already learned about when we learned about the armor of God. And that's where the sword comes in. The sword of the spirit is double-sided because it's also the sword of truth. So truth comes out of Jesus's mouth. The brass on his feet means judgment, as Christ will be our judge. And then his voice sounding like water, water is powerful and soothing. And his eyes being like fire, think of a campfire, it's mesmerizing. It's warm, the light guides you and protects you. The stars in his right hand, your right hand is your covenant hand, the hand you make promises with. And the stars represent servants of the church and also guidance and direction. Jesus telling John that Christ has the keys of hell and death represent Christ's ability to help us overcome sin. See, it all makes sense. Okay, mom, I think you just lost all of the kids from junior primary. That probably went way over their heads. Can you simplify? <laughs> sure. Basically, the Savior is comparing his church to candlesticks. We can shine the Savior's light by living his teaching. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ, we can be like the light of a candle when we do nice things for others. Of course, mon ami. Being a light to others can help you feel closer to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, too. Game time! Since we're talking about being a light, and now that it's the beginning of December, we thought we should play a light the world game. Can you help us finish these rhymes with ways you can light the world? Ready? Finish these rhymes if you have time. That would be sublime if you could chime in. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, finish these light the world rhymes. In the car, your little sister cries. Can you cheer her up by playing I? The fire station down the street is full of new rookies. Will you help encourage them by baking them? The dinner table is covered in dirty plates and cups. Will you help your mom by cleaning them? There's a new kid at church who rarely attends. Will you be kind and offer to be his? Being selfish and greedy is always the worst. When your class lines up for a treat, you won't rush to be. Getting home from school, you've had a bad day, but you invite the spirit by kneeling down to. The old lady next door broke her leg trying to move a log. You help her while she heals by volunteering to walk her. Wow, you're really bright, such kind boys and girls. I know you'll do awesome as you try to light the... So, this Christmas season, will you let your light shine amid all the hustle and bustle of gifts and gatherings? Will you let your life reflect the light and love of Jesus Christ? With the dawning of each day, could you identify someone who needs your light? Reach out to that person by phone, video chat, or send a text or a note. Perform a quiet act of service to help someone nearby. Bring a new friend into your circle. Help someone turn to the Savior and find enduring peace and divine rest. There is no better way to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ than by lifting, loving, and serving others. 
The world needs the light of Jesus Christ, and the world needs your light. God be thanked for loving us enough to send his only begotten Son. Jesus Christ changed the world for each of us with his atoning sacrifice. He is the light of the world. He is the light we need to hold up. He is the light that fills us with goodwill toward all people. I love the Lord Jesus Christ and testify that he lives. As we celebrate his birth in Bethlehem, let us emulate his life of loving kindness. May you and your loved ones be filled with his light and joy, now and always. I express my gratitude for you and offer my best wishes for you to have a very Merry Christmas. Okay, back to Revelation. So after John sees Jesus in his vision, Jesus has a message for the seven different branches of his church at that time. Each message was specific to an individual area of the church, but each message followed the same pattern. First, he praised them for what they were doing that was good. Second, he identified a challenge or struggle they were having. Third, he offered counsel and correction. And finally, he left them with a blessing or a promise if they overcame. So let's pretend. Do you guys like to pretend? Let's pretend that John was asked to give a message to you or your family like the one he gave to the churches during his time. If John was writing a letter of counsel to you or your family, what would he say is going well? What would he say is something you could work on? How might you improve? How will you be blessed by working on it? Take this letter from John to heart. Try to work on this this week. Okay, guys, there is so much awesome symbolism in the book of Revelation, but we only have time today to talk quickly about one more vision that John had. I want you to close your eyes and listen while John describes this vision to you. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep! See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. 
he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. So, John had a vision, and he was shown a locked book. In ancient times, important documents were often sealed with clay or wax, and only one who was authorized could break open the seal and read what was inside. This book that John saw had seven seals. The book represented our Heavenly Father's plan for us, the plan of salvation, the plan of happiness. But when John saw this sealed book, he started to cry. Why? Well, because no one was worthy to open the book. If that book represented Heavenly Father's plan for us to come to earth and become like him, we would want it opened, right? Well, then John saw a lamb come forth to read the book. And in the vision, the lamb was Jesus Christ. When he came forth, he was able to open the book. So John learned Jesus Christ is the only one worthy to be our savior. Yes, only Jesus Christ was worthy and able to perform the atonement and save us from sin. Jesus Christ, represented by a lamb, could be our savior and fulfill Heavenly Father's plan that was represented by the sealed book. There are so many blessings available to us because of Jesus's atonement, such as being able to go to the temple, being able to get baptized, having eternal families. We testify that the Savior is the only one who could make those things possible. Okay, before we end, I just have to include this side note because I'm an animal lover. Let's talk about some fantastic beasts real quick. I'm not talking about the Harry Potter ones. There are some crazy animals described in this week's scriptures. They're literally called beasts. There's like a lion beast and a calf beast. And some of them have six wings and they have eyes on the front of their faces and the back of their faces. And it's some crazy symbolism. Thanks to the Doctrine and Covenants and Joseph Smith's translation, we know that animals from our own world and from other worlds will become celestial and they get to dwell in the presence of God. Do you guys have like a favorite pet? We have an amazing German Shepherd. He of course is gonna be a part of our family in heaven. We love him so much. And that's what one of these revelations is talking about. You know, it's kind of this weird imagery of beasts covered with eyes and wings, but it's actually symbolic of animals' celestial nature. So while you're reading this week, if there's some mysterious or weird stuff, remember, go to the church's website. Everything's explained. Everything makes sense, especially with the help of modern-day prophets such as Joseph Smith. Okay, that's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening, and until next time... Stay on the